Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Your Time with James Sweetman. We're in for a treat today. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Aidan Harney. And before we jump into what I know will be a fascinating conversation, let me give you a little background on Aidan. He's more than 20 years industry experience in the areas of leadership development, manager capability and change leadership. Aidan's current role is that of talent leadership and organization development manager for the greater European region with Intel Corporation. He's been a guest lecturer in DCU where he completed his MBA and his PhD is from Munster Technology University. And in his PhD thesis, he explored the psychology of leaders who are effective at working in highly complex environments. And I know that's something that we're certainly going to get our sleeves rolled up on and get stuck into in our chat today. In his spare time, Aidan serves on Intel's Out and Ally Leadership Council, and he previously served for nine years as a board member and chair of the board with the Irish charity belong to. Aidan, you're so welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks a million, James. I feel really welcome and, and delighted to be here with you. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Yeah, I, I always think when I think of you, I think of leadership. And I know we probably connected initially through DCU, where we both did our, our MBAs. I think mine probably a few years ahead of you. <laughs> I can't possibly. remember back that far. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, you were brave enough then to, to get stuck into a, to a, a PhD. When did you complete that, Aidan? Uh, yeah, good question. I think it was 2017 when I completed right. with James. So a co- couple of years ago, pretty fresh in terms of research. Yeah, and, and a big achievement, like a big achievement. I, I take my hat off to you on that one for sure. So I know, I know today we're going to get stuck into the findings of that because there's no substitute for some firsthand, you know, research, real world, practical things. Mm. Um, but of course, your current role is with Intel and your title there of talent leadership and organization development manager. That's a big title. What are some of the, what are some of the areas within that or, 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 or main components of that role? Because it sounds fascinating, Aidan. Yeah, I think really I, I picture it sort of like a, a kind of a cycle, you know, the talent, the talent management pieces, mm-hmm. you know, hiring, spotting, finding, growing talent, wherever it might be in the organization. And that's mm-hmm. that's my background, you know, for, yes. for a long number of years. And then, yeah, I mean, then you have the leadership piece, which is my current focus very much and has been for the last 10 to seven years. Um, so, yeah, just the, the kind of, you know, leadership at every level in the organization. We're doing a lot of work with our executive level at the moment yeah. and down through the ranks. We have a new CEO, which is very exciting. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I guess you're then looking at, okay, that leadership capability, how can that continue to grow the organization? So I, I see it as a kind of an arc or a cycle like that all the time, the work I do with a fantastic team all around me. Yeah, it's 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 never ending. I always think it's uh, you know it's always progression in a direction. There's always yeah. uh, you know, and then there's always deeper layers you can sink into. Plus, of course, as the world changes, leadership changes with it, um, uh, for sure. But anyway, let's speak about your your PhD. I know you explored the psychology of leaders who are effective at working in highly complex environments and never more complex than what we currently have um, and you you carried out some first-hand research with managers in various industries both public and private sector what were some of them what were some of the findings from that 
Aidan, that you found either particularly interesting or useful or surprising even? Yeah, definitely, James. I guess it's one of those things you you, you start into a, a PhD and sometimes you just get lucky that as, as you're going along, you know, the, the world sort of catches up with you or vice mm-hmm. versa. And yeah, this idea of how leaders lead in complexity, gosh, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's so irrelevant today. Yeah. And yeah, the, I guess the challenge was finding you know, a, a comparison group, which is always the difficulty for good research. So mm-hmm. I found a huge, you know, bunch of leaders across different sectors, like you said, different age groups, uh, genders, cultural backgrounds. Yeah. And then I got them all to take uh, a really good, robust, um, after I had interviewed them, I should say, a really good, robust leadership assessment. And really what I was able to see then was, okay, we've got a group of leaders who are from this assessment, really, really effective leaders. Mm-hmm. And we have a smaller group who are highly highly effective leaders particularly in unpredictable and complex environments and then it was having you know done the in-depth interviews with them about their style and their behaviors and their failures and their achievements Mm. and their mindset and everything else it was actually being able to compare the two groups then and i think three things really fell out of it james i think the first one really was that there are differences in the way that these leaders think. So the first thing was really they think differently. And let me put it into a crisp. I guess really, you know, some effective leaders, you know, they, they build up a, a coming at it from a developmental psychology focus. Mm-hmm. They come, they build up a set of values and assumptions and beliefs like we all do. Yes. But when that works for them, they put a bit more scaffolding around it and it becomes a bit more solid. And it works even more for them. So they put a process around it and it becomes even more solid. And then what I found with those leaders was when change came along, like, oh, there was lots of great examples, like when new technology came along or new legislation, or particularly at the time I was doing my interviews, new social movements, uh, they struggled to adapt because they're this scaffolding and building they'd put around their values and their assumptions and the beliefs that sort of became the way they were. And they found it very difficult to kind of view the world differently. And the smaller group of highly effective leaders in complexity they had their inner values and all of that. But the thing that really differentiated them in the way they think, they had an extreme curiosity. Oh, okay. Uh, which was really, really interesting. They, they, their first approach, rather than to try and find an answer, was to try and find better questions. Oh, so that, I love it. They're yeah. in my territory then. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and again, rather than kind of being fueled from the inside out, you know, with yeah. their really strong inner values, they still had those values, but they held them really lightly. And what I found when I did all the content analysis, they were actually fueled from the outside in. They were curious talking to different people to get their perspectives, curious to learn from different sectors, and even curiosity. And it was remarkable how many of them, you know, did ballet or had studied music or did beekeeping oh. that's a real example oh gosh be yeah or or yeah, something <laughs> from the arts it's almost like i'm i'm getting emotional intelligence stuff in here as well where yeah. you know they remained open and and curious as opposed to i suppose if you go back to to old models with it it's it's like a new version of you know the fixed or the growth mindset they retained the growth mindset um yeah. yeah, that's interesting, James, because you've given me a beautiful segue to the second finding, oh, which, which is how they engage differently. So, they, so, so different set of leaders think differently, and then more effective leaders engage differently. And again, right. the difference is that you've got some leaders who are really good, really effective, but they sort of, you know, strategize, plan, execute. Yeah, yeah. And for them, once their plan launches, to change that plan or to alter the course, for them 
was perceived as reflecting badly on them as leaders or somehow, you know, changing their plan was a failure. So they really doggedly persisted. And I think we all know senior leaders who have a project or have launched a strategy and it's hard for them to to change course. Yeah, yeah, because it's linked to my take on that would be um, it's linked to their sense of identity. So, mm-hmm. so you know, if the if if the plan has to be adjusted, they take it exceptionally personally um, as a reflection of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you had this other smaller group of leaders who were highly effective in complexity. And the difference there is they sort of. Um, chose to balance the stability, flexibility dilemma. And interestingly, James, you mentioned the growth mindset. What yeah. I found with a number of them was that they, they they could demonstrate growth mindset when it was required, this kind of, you know, incrementally getting better and always being mm-hmm. open to learning. But I noticed with a remarkable number of them, a transformative mindset. So it was actually, I got to be brave to make a call here this strategy isn't working. And some of them were multi-billion you know, billion dollar yes. plans for an organization, one in particular out of the US. And so rather than incrementally trying to repair this, it was like a complete gear shift. And so that sort of transformative mindset to shift the paradigm altogether was something I noticed across a number of different leaders in different sectors where things were highly unpredictable. Yeah. Sometimes the plan actually had to be completely remodeled rather than incrementally remodeled. So Gosh, and, and another word that comes to mind for me and there is, it's like if you've got curiosity for sure, but then also the word courage, like it requires courage to do that is the first thing that fires off for me. It's like if this is, you know, the plan, which is like the scaffolding or the handrail, and it's like I have to put that to one side. It's like taking the stabilizers off. And that uh, requires a bit of courage. It does. It's um, like you want. It's like you're one step ahead of me, James. So the third oh, finding. Oh, I, I, beautiful. Better, I better stay quiet. It's, no, not at it, all. But it's. I just find this area. I find this area uh, fascinating. I have to say, yeah. because it's so real and relevant for so many people. And uh, in my own work with, you know, wearing the executive coaching hat or whatever. Um, you know, these are very real issues for for people. It's yeah. not it's not pure theory and you know academic. Um, it's it's very much real life decisions and you know putting the head and the heart into it and and the humanity of it as it were. So yeah, fascinating. Absolutely, James. Mm. No, I think that's it. And that was the third thing, really. You know, when I looked at and this was the one that had the biggest variance between leaders that were effective somewhat in unpredictable or complex environments and leaders who are highly effective mm. uh, and could sustain in, in, in unpredictable complex environments and it was this thing like you know, where they were acting from and, and it was acting from you know many leaders that I've worked with for 20 years it's all been you know in the space of engineering and computer yes, science yes. Um, and you know they're brilliant people I'm sometimes jealous of them there's so many smarts and brilliant yes. brain power but I think that most difficult journey I find definitely in coaching leaders it's that most difficult journey from the head to drop down to the heart and yeah. and it's you know even as you mentioned the lovely latin word core meaning heart and yes. the old french word courage acting yes. from the heart that became the differentiator and really you know the components of that i found again the beautiful thing about the field work was you know 
spending time with real leaders and then assessing them. Um, when I looked at the data, there were leaders who were, first of all, you know, acting from the heart was self-awareness first. Yeah, no big yeah. surprise there. So yeah. am I acting from the head or am I, am I more whole yeah. and taking in the heart as well? And then the second really fascinating one that fell out really late from my research because I kind of didn't see it and then my supervisors helped me find it was, as well as self-awareness, a high, high degree of self-compassion. Oh, wow. Yeah, really fascinating. Now, they didn't call it that. Uh, that's why I couldn't find it. But eventually we found that actually all these pointers to I can fail as a leader uh, and I can recover from that because I have such self-compassion that I can then bring that as a lesson learned to my team and, and, and use it as a great leadership role model for them to see that, you know, you can fail. And you can have intelligent failure and there's no shame in failing and yeah. no blame in failing. So it became a hugely important part of the findings that the, the self-awareness plus self-compassion gives courage. Wow. There's a definition. I'm, I'm writing as you're talking. <laughs> I should be paying attention to the next question. But the, uh, but the um, because you hear those, I suppose, what are cliches nowadays around failure and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. It's okay to fail, which is still not the lived reality for some not at all. people. Um, um, and we all struggle with it. But but as you were speaking, I think two other things popped into my mind. Another C word, which which I know I can put my hand up to on this one, which is which is control mm-hmm. um, um, and, and maybe a, a, another word that I've used in that self-compassion uh, space is vulnerability and the relationship between the two of them. Um, what's your take on that? Because I think if we go back to that courage bit of even going from the head to the heart, for yeah. me, one of the things that has to be relinquished there is control. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. And, you know, when I work with leaders in this, James, that word comes up a lot. Mm. And I think I've refined it a tiny bit to what you probably don't want is controlling, Mm. which for them suddenly goes, ah, yes, I don't want to come across and seem and be controlling. Mm. But at the same time, I I do still want a sense of control. And choice, and I say yes, as long as you're not controlling, yeah. but then take control and choose to be fearless. Take control and choose to walk into the scenario and realize that you could fail at it, but you're going to use the failure as a lesson learned for yourself and for your team. So I, I think putting the the ING on the end of control makes a big difference for leaders who go, okay, That's, yeah, because yeah. I always need a sense of control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that that softens it somewhat. Um, that makes it more more digestible because I think, you know, for for a lot of people, myself included, you associate the word control with responsibility, and it's like I don't want to be relinquishing responsibility here. Yeah, like the book still stops here or whatever. Right. Um. Um. And um. Did and, and again, this is just popping into my head. Did you find? any different because I know you, you you spoke with a cross section of people was there any correlation between um, um, how would I say it you know male managers or female managers in that space of head to heart or even in terms of, of across industries you know I often think of some of the you know, maybe the, the softer industries like advertising or marketing yeah. versus, um, you know, maybe more more rational brained ones, the, the engineering, the, the, the technical type professions. Was there anything that, that jumped out that maybe would be supporting 
perhaps assumptions that were probably running, if I phrase it that way. Yeah. So I guess just due to the sample size, you know, you need a very large statistical sample size to make those calls. To slice, to slice and dice. Up yeah, with, uh, exactly. And because I went so deep and, you know, really went deep into the qualitative content analysis piece, I, you know, the stuff I spotted, but my supervisors were like, no, you can't, you can't say that based on the data you have. No. It's, it's not, yeah, because I know it takes me back to my home thesis with MBA and it's like you're almost looking for something in it. But exactly. it's like, no, you have to go on the on the evidence that you've, um, that, that you've, that you've taken, the, the quantitative and the qualitative and SPSS and all of that. Exactly. <laughs> but I think your vulnerability word is interesting because the, the you know, even off the PhD and into just, you know, working with coaches yeah. Um, yeah. in Intel, and I do as much coaching probably pro bono outside of Intel. Right. Um, I think the vulnerability one is interesting. And I love some of the work that Amy uh, Edmondson has done um, mm-hmm. in recent years, particularly where she's associated this word of kind of, you know, not only blame, but sort of shame around failure. Yeah. And um, I don't know what you found, James, because I know you're superb and you do a lot of great coaching. That um, when I sometimes call that out with senior leaders, they go, no, I don't, failure for me doesn't bring up shame. But almost inevitably, I'm finding 10 or five minutes later, they'll go, actually, can I just come back to that shame word that's been said for me? I, yeah. I probably do feel a sense. Uh, I thought it was fear yes. or unworthy but actually it probably is something around and then we have a great conversation around i had a great experience with a leader recently where she called it with her team she said because of the inverted commas failure i'm feeling a sense of shame about that um and suddenly the team realized that they were as well and they shouldn't have been because it was an intelligent failure and they wrapped around her and supported her and it shifted the team into a different space so there's something interesting about just being able to name that sense of shame that's programmed into our brain I, I agree completely. Oftentimes it's putting the word or the label on yes. it. Um, and then it's confined. It's like, this is what I'm dealing with. You know, it's identified and you know, it's that and it's not this. Um, um, and different people right. will use different will use different words with it. And sometimes I find it's the role, it's interesting, it's certainly the role of a coach, but 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 broader speaking, I sometimes think it's the role of the leader to help place language on emotions that people are feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, so that, of course, it's at the foundation of rapport as well, but it's also um, uh, building mutual commonality or the humanity of it actually is probably the word that I would use because, I um, yeah. And you know, that, of course, brings us into the territory of authentic leadership, which is a much bandied about word at the minute or phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but for me, it's based on humanity and and almost I like the phrase compassionate leadership mm. um, as well. And of course, the, the the lady, the prime minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, is sort of the the, the, the poster politician for. For, for that at the minute, or, or certainly for uh, for many people, they view her as that sense of, you know, compassionate, human, full of heart. Um, and um, it's, I suppose it's perhaps one of the ways in which traditional leadership is is changing or developing to, to mirror, um, uh, you know, a different working environment. Um, what have you found from your studies, Aidan, in terms of how it has changed you as a leader or enhanced you as a leader um, in your own position? There's a yeah. curveball. 
I, well, uh, well, I think, first of all, you're right. I think because the context has changed so much, yeah. you know, when you're talking about leadership, I, I, I've learned it's always got to be in context. So if the context yeah. changes, the leadership yes. style yeah. or approach needs to change. And, and I think you're right. You know, where we are now, there's so few challenges that have an off-the-shelf formula to solve them that it's yeah. got to, you know, more and more, we're, we're a more connected world than ever before. We're a more interconnected world than ever before. Yes. Uh, we're a very disrupted world at the same time we're a very um damaged world if you if you look at the the nightly news yes and and we're a digital world all these d's coming out so the the context has definitely changed fundamentally and i think there is the need for the the biggest lesson i've learned and hopefully you know guiding and walking with other leaders learners yeah it's bringing more of as we said you know the 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 curiosity it's bringing more of the ability to change your plan and not feel it as a massive dent to the ego and it's bringing more of the the heart definitely into not not solely the heart but yeah. to me to be a more whole leader you've got to know yeah there, there's a technical challenge i can lead with the head yeah. but if i'm into a complex human as you say james dynamic then i probably got to be leading with both head and heart and hands so. yeah yeah i like that yeah the practical side of it too mm. the um um and, and i think the self-awareness to know when to adjust um which is back to that flexible piece as well there was one there was one phrase aiden and i think it was on your linkedin profile i saw it and it really caught my imagination um where you know, one of the areas that you focus on helping leaders is is finding liberation to becoming agents of transformation. And that word liberation, uh, I find I find fascinating. So <laughs> if we sort of think about, it's almost like the unshackling, you know, what are we inviting them to drop or unshackle from? Yeah, yeah. And I, I use that really uh, intentionally, the word liberate, because yeah. as a developmental psychologist, the, the study of values, assumptions, beliefs that yeah. have a have a hold on people, but these are invisible yes. constraints mm-hmm. that prevent us growing and showing up as our bigger selves. And it's only, James, as you know, when you kind of, take those hidden or shadow assumptions yeah. and values and beliefs, put them on the table, yeah. hold them out into the light, and then people can choose yeah. to grow beyond them. So for me, a lot of the work is taking really, really good leaders who've done great things in a perhaps more stable, routine, predictable environment. And it's just saying, you know, you know you've such great capability, but the context has changed. So are you up for it to continue yeah. to extend your capabilities yeah so yeah. so what that means that is you know in terms of the liberation it's saying yeah i was known for this and this and this maybe i gotta hold that lightly and hold it curiously and i think part of the secret for leaders i find is if they really apply a great you know deal of humor to it as well yeah. you know yeah. yeah, 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 because I know it, it you know, self-awareness, of course, but this is key. But I find that myself as well, that you don't want people to feel that they're losing anything with this. It's right. all just addition. Sometimes I'll like if I know they're a golfer, I'll use the phrase, it's just getting a few extra irons into the golf bag. Yeah. Like you're not taking anything away, you're just adding more in. Um oh definitely. Uh, choice, yeah. By choice, yeah. And I'm really passionate about, you know, again, I've been blessed to work for, you know, it's, you know, 20 years solidly with engineers and scientists and computer scientists. Yes. And uh, 
I, I always make a point of saying, you know, there are times where you just need to show up as the expert and don't undervalue yes. that. And and I, I need to be kind to myself. That's something I've learned, James. Sometimes I need to show up as an expert because that's what's called for. Yes. And I think we can get very lofty sometimes with leadership. And sometimes you need a great grafter, a great achiever who's going to, you know, put the strategy in place and 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 you know shape the team and 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 hold the team accountable as you said James yeah. and, and, and has also engage the yeah, yeah. for that yeah and that's so important but just increasingly there are also times where leaders are called to be more 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 the catalyst you know and 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 unless they can what I say sort of metabolize the environment and metabolize those challenges themselves first. Yeah. And unless you can catalyze yourself around What's your mindset? What's your approach? What are your values? And are they good? Are they still all solid and good? Or do you need to investigate them first before you ask your team to go change? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the challenge. Yeah. Sometimes, again, I'll I'll try to speak the language, the vernacular of the people I'm working with. So an analogy that I've used is operating system. (laughs) Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, our phones or our PCs are, are upgraded far more frequently than maybe thought patterns or habits that we have. Um, and a few bugs and that need to be teased out some of the time yep. so that you're just more effective based on, on, on what's now required or, or as definitions of effectiveness change. Speaking of, of E-words, you had a few D-words there earlier. There's, there's a few E-words that, that I always associate with them. Um, with leadership, although it does bring us into, I suppose, pure management as well, where where it is about expertise for sure. Um, there is also the ability to execute, which I think links back to what you were just saying, Abe, like the ability just to get things done. You know, it's not all about talking shops. Um, but then the new one that comes into the mix there, another E word is empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, empathy starts with know thyself first as well. Um, um, and the ability to put yourself into other people's shoes. Um, what have you found, Aidan, in, in the last 12 months or so when there's, it's change on steroids in terms yeah. of how we, how we work and how we collaborate and, and how managers manage and how leaders lead when you know, their colleagues, their people are, are not maybe in the same you know, physical space as as much as they were before, and yeah, what, definitely. What I know for, for me that has accelerated some trends that were there anyway. But what has what have you found, or where have you found leaders, particularly finding uh, challenges or successes in in the last twelve months, um, dealing with such should such rapid change. Yeah, I think a couple of things there. So you mentioned Jacinda and yes. her, her, her empathy, and then you mentioned, you know, uh, expertise and then execution and then empathy. So I think one of the things I've noticed in the last 12 months is it's probably swapping out the order of expertise and execution and empathy. And I think empathy has got to be, you know, front and center. Right. Um, and it is interesting, you know, the ask to just go execute. Well, just go execute isn't possible anymore. You got you to gotta just go empathize first and really, you know, get with people and, and <laughs> understand people and, you know, re- really sense what's going on. And and when you've got that sensing done, uh, your self-sensing and sensing of the system and sen- sensing of the people, you can maybe start to approach <laughs> something like uh, execution then. But I think that's been yeah. a real aha for me. It's that the old phrase of let's just go execute. Mm. 
in the current no. climate. Go, go back to empathy first and all. <laughs> it's like there's that old project management flippant phrase of JFDI. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just <clears throat> do it. Yeah. Um, whereas that, there must be a new version of that where empathy goes into it. I think we might have to we might have to copyright that one if we can come up with I it. Think so. you know, I think so. Just empathize. Um, <laughs> the um, well, it goes a long way, James. Yeah, it goes a long, long, long way. I think that's what leaders are finding, you know, going back to it's back to what we started with, back to the human yeah. piece, back to the heart piece. And I think the other one that leaders are finding really useful is going from, uh, you know, taking the expertise piece, which is probably going to come up with an either or solution. Mm. And more and more and more, what I'm finding leaders at every level is if they can wrap their heads around the both and piece, which okay. is. Yeah, it, you know, is it that we need to focus on the short term and, 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 and worry about the long term in the future? Or or is it that we both need to give some energy to, you know, what's happening now and a bit out in the future? And there's so many other polarities like that. But, you know, we used to have nice philosophical conversations about polarity management. A yeah. lot of the work that I see leaders doing today at every level in the organization is getting their heads around. It's It's got to be both. Yeah. And... And, and increasingly, yeah. if you can look to that, if you can look to, you know, execution and innovation or, you know. It's it's back to the plus bit, you know. The it plus, is. Plus, plus. Yeah. It is. And, and also what comes to mind to me on that one as well. And it's one of, like, you know, the way, like for years, we, we know of the paradoxes of leadership, you know, whether it's teacher, student or, you know, servant leader, that sort of approach. But, but what I found in recent times is... Um, just identifying where the tensions are. Now, I don't mean tension as in conflict, but tension as in where the growth areas are. Yep. So is that for, for me, you know, the focus on both the short term and the long term or doing something where there's certainty versus where there's uncertainty um, and to identify those areas where maybe we feel, you know, a little bit challenged or stretched Right. Um, is where is where the growth is happening, both at a personal level, but often um, often in other areas too. Um, and 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 for me, the 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 you know the the change of the last twelve months, you know, the turmoil almost has has just heightened that. Even say if we, if, you know, I often think, God help the poor micromanagers at the minute, Aiden. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's. Um, you know they're they're having a hard time of it, but it's 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 bringing to the surface issues of of empathy and trust and 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 all of that. I think you know because it's happening so fast, it, it, the change at the minute. It's so hard to to have the handrails on it because we're living it and and doing our best as we go. Definitely, I think one of the things it do, does do, uh, James, though, is that we think about maybe that unit of leadership. You know, very often there's a focus on the leader, and we've been talking about, you know, the inner landscape of the yes. leader and the psychology of the leader and the mindset, and and that's all. You know, that's I, I'm fascinated by that, and I love yeah. working in that area, and I love one-on-one -on -one coaching. But I think yeah. increasingly, what I'm seeing over the last twelve months also is this: it's it's more the focus on the leadership, almost like the the fellowship. And yeah. it's, um, 
probably no one individual is going to crack any one of these complexities, but I think where you're seeing bundles of leaders, i.e. leadership, collaborating better, connecting better, having better conversations, even if they're on Zoom, yes. creating that community, sort of the collective intelligence piece. I'm seeing that shooting up in terms of a way of getting through because oh, okay. we all have good days and bad days and no, yes. one's, no one's going to be the quarterback in the field all throughout 12 months. But if you've got a, a cluster of two or three or four leaders who are collaborating and thinking together, they seem to be coming with far better ways of cracking some of these unpredictable novel uh, situations. So I'm seeing that, I think, out into the future and more and more podcasts and articles and blogs on it. It's the collective intelligence piece has, has shot up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the realization, well, it's the old model of leadership, you know, where you sort of, you know, the hero approach, I'm coming in on the white horse, with all of the answers and um, the world is far too complex for that. It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting that word conversations um, because really, if we get down to the practical side of things, that's what we're talking about here. It's, conver- it's, 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 it's different conversations with people, you know, because that is what empathy is or that's the practical side of it, you know, being able to have a conversation. And as I see it, it's, it's really the role of the, the leader to instigate those conversations. And of course, conversations are nothing but questions and answers. So that loops back to what you were saying earlier from the PhD finding around, you know, being curious about the yep. questions and the new questions, which then open the door to, to maybe new possibilities. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. I, you know, I, I can't uh, count the number of uh, coaching sessions recently where I've, we've arrived at a, a, you know, what will you take away from it? And yeah. it is putting on a giant post-it. Uh, I'm curious about dot, 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 and just bring that into every meeting and bring that into your personal life at the weekend. And, yeah. you know, when you go out of the house and you turn left, just turn right. Well, why would I do that? Just to grow curiosity. Oh, okay. And if yeah. you root your cycle, whatever food you eat, try a different cuisine, whatever you watch on Netflix, switch over and try a different type of show. And it's it's something that really needs to be fostered in us today because, again, things are moving so fast and so yeah. disrupted. So if you're kind of not curious about yourself yeah. and not curious about those around you, you, you you're going to quickly fall behind. It's very so much fixed. Yeah. And of yeah. course, curiosity is the, is the step before creativity. Yes. We're hitting all the C words here. Like we if are. You're going, if you're trying to, and we've had the D words and the E words, we might get through the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, you know, very difficult to be thinking of creative solutions or innovation if there isn't the foundation of curiosity. Yeah. Um, and, and that sense of sometimes I'll throw this into a group to see if they're awake. You know, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Um, there was another word you mentioned as, as well, Aidan, which I think is, 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 is so important at the minute, is that of energy. And there's a few different ways we can look at that word. But, but if you go back to the basics of leadership, you know, leaders are responsible for, you know, leaders only achieve with and through other people to start yeah. with. Um, and, and leaders, I always see, are responsible for the energy that they bring into a, into a room or onto a Zoom um, at, at the present time. And it's also the role of the, of the leader to to, to stimulate energy in their in their people you know so that that their people leave the interaction with them just feeling a little bit more upbeat or understood or whatever it is and and for me that's straight back to empathy and heart as well it's not just about you know getting the stuff done but it's the it's it's a little bit more attention being paid to the person who's 
who's doing it so that they don't feel like a functionary. You know, they're, they feel like they're, they're valued for being themselves. Um, Definitely. I think, um, I think there's that sort of, uh, you know, the self-awareness we talked about, and then you've got the, the self-regulation piece. And again, they kind of go hand in hand. So yes, yes. managing your energy, managing your calendar, yes. um, that, that, that dictates how you show up. You know, your calendar never lies, as Tom Peters. Oh. So. <laughs> Good old Tom Peters. He's, yeah. many, he's many quotes I love. Exactly. Um, for, for, people, for people listening in who are maybe, you know, not necessarily in, a, in, in, a, in, in maybe how we would traditionally view a role of leader, you know, as a supervisor, as a manager, in, you know, leading a team, but even say in there, you know, I often think leadership just starts with like the constituency of one, ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any tips or advice that you would offer people who are maybe just looking to lean further into, to use the Sheryl Sandberg phrase, to lean into um, exploring their own leadership capability or, or developing it or, or relying on it even maybe. Yeah, definitely. I had this conversation with a large group yesterday where we mm. talked about, you know, some of the things that extraordinary leaders do. Okay. And uh, we got a nice question back. Well, you know, what about the just kind of ground level ordinary leader? Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, I reflected back that, you know, this isn't about grade. It isn't about status. It isn't about position. And, you know, the reason I'm so passionate about leadership and what, you know, fires me up every week of every year is that, you know, I love working with the people who maybe they don't come up above the radar and they've got a big fancy title, but I meet them on the corridor four years later, or, you know, once in a while you'll get a WhatsApp from them seven years later or just whatever. And, and they do extraordinary work from where they are, but any work I do with anyone like that, I'm sure. And I know it's the same for you, James, it's the same components. It's leading and stepping into your power from where you are. And, you know, and still back to, I say, you know, grow your curiosity. Uh, Step two, we were talking about there, you know, in terms of the way you engage with the world, are you locked on and linear or can you be self-compassionate enough to yourself to say, you know, I, I, I can, sense the environment and change and, and changing my grand plan is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third thing I think, you know, of course, in these times, like why shouldn't leadership have words like laughter and joy and heart and love and wisdom and courage like we've been talking about? It, a lot of organizations don't have that in the leadership picture. And why not? It's a big, big missing part of the puzzle. So, yeah, I, I tend not to, you know, look at where the leader is at in the, in the hierarchy, uh, you know, for me, a leader is a leader. And I, I, I admire hugely people who get on with leading quietly yes. <laughs> and sometimes never see the spotlight as much as the people who are very much in the spotlight. So I think yes. the same applies. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's also, I suppose, how would I say it? You know, back in the 90s, you almost had your celebrity leaders um, um, the, the old heroic model of leaders. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not really the current reality. It's gone from being, you know, the, the star striker to the coach, as it were, or even to the cheerleader. But yes, <laughs> I'm not great with the sporting analogies, Aiden. That's as far as I can go with them. Um, it's it's a fascinating area. And, and it's it's something that I know you're passionate about. I'm passionate about. I, I think what you've done with the with the PhD study is, is amazing because it's it's such a big undertaking of work to start with and such a personal achievement for you too. But to be able to get such rich um, factual findings and, and, and how it may be, 
um, you know, provides a lens through yeah. which we can assess, you know, the daily reality for people and maybe offer them some, um, you know, some guidance or some handrails, um, some handrails to climb their own learning curve, if I keep that analogy going. Gosh, yeah. we, could, we, could, we could chat all day. <laughs> um, I always like to close um, the little conversations with a few, with a few sort of quick fire round uh, uh, questions, Aiden, which, okay. which sometimes can, you know, can lead to discussion somewhere else. And sometimes they're just interesting by them, by themselves. Um, what's your most cherished possession? Oh, cherished possession. Um, yeah, I genuinely think there's nothing that I'm, I'm too hung up about that, okay. if, you know, if the fire came along. I think uh, uh, probably mm, there's a very old and tattered copy of a Penguin book that oh, okay. my father bought me when I think it was about nine or ten called How to Survive. And a very bizarre book about, you know, <laughs> if you get lost on a desert island. <laughs> Had to rub two twigs together. If you okay. if you get deserted in the middle of a forest, if you find yourself in the middle of a desert, so quite a bizarre little book. But uh, I look at it fondly now in terms of just the signal to a young boy, yeah. you know, sort of young man, sort of you know, yeah. you know, be be self resilient, and you've got everything within you to to survive, sort of thing. So I I treasure that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's lovely, and I and I'm quite sure a lot of the nuggets of wisdom in that are as relevant today as they were back then, even though the context may be different you know but yes the, and the eyes viewing it may be different and will take a different interpretation from it exactly. um, um what inspires you Aiden? i think it's kind of what we've been talking about a little yeah. bit i mean um i'm very inspired by people who take a stand um and i have to kind of watch that in myself because inclusive leadership for me you mentioned in the intro you know my involvement on the yes. board of belong to for yes. a number of years uh, michael barron who you know started belong to and, and and did amazing work right up to marriage referendum yes you know i'm inspired by michael for taking a stand on behalf of young lgbt plus people in ireland at a yes. time when was not only not fashionable, it was like downright insane to stand yeah. up and say Ireland yeah. should be a safer place for yeah. a young person to be out and proud. Um, A.D. Roach yes. taking a stand, saying it's just not good enough. I want to fly 25,000 children to Ireland. I want them to have fresh air. I'm massively inspired by her. Uh, anyone who takes it, Colm, Colm O'Gorman yes. in, in Amnesty International now, but all of the work that Colm has done in just taking a stand for massively unpopular things that were incredibly important to Ireland and Irish society. And, you know, it put them in danger yeah. with a small D um, and, and wasn't a popular thing to do. In, 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 and I know them and I've, I've talked to them all. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think people who take a stand for something that's really important. Uh, and again, it doesn't have to be a headline person. Uh, every day of the week, people who take a small stand in their own lives for something that's important to help another person. I am massively inspired uh, by that. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, earlier we were chatting about, how would I say, move beyond failure or, or learning from, from failure um, and something that came out of your, your PhD studies. Um, but if, if we look at that personally, say for yourself, what was something that at the time maybe you labeled a setback or a failure, Aiden, but that with the benefit of hindsight, 
you know, was a, was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I th- there's so many for me. So I loved when you said earlier on, James, that the, the meaning of a word can change. So yes. um, when I was a teenager, or young, in my early 20s, I came to Dublin, I joined a theatre company. I, I loved learning lines and going up on stage and the performance, and yeah. was it a good performance? Was it? So, you know, performance driven and through my career being very achiever driven. Um, I think for me, probably go a little bit personal here a great life lesson was when I volunteered to be uh, an emergency or a respite care foster uh, care and I think for me going into that with the picture of I'm going to be a great achiever and I'm going to perform the best foster care ever Mm -hmm. boy did I get my (laughs) ideas turned on their head and uh, I kid you not sitting on my kitchen floor crying horribly into my hands what's a nice person like me doing a thing like this for and um, yeah I learned so much from foster caring about you know it's not about you it's Mm -hmm. about watching what does the person need in this environment because of where they've come from, because yes. of where they're going to, and the most beautiful, the toughest thing I've ever done and the best thing I've ever done has been that mm-hmm. respite emergency foster Gosh. care, I would say. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. It, 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 tough but rewarding. Yeah. Gosh. Um, I, I know I, I, if I had gone through a PhD, I probably would never want to pick up another book for years afterwards. <laughs> but is there is there anything that you're currently reading, enjoying, learning, whether that's a book, a podcast? Yeah, I think I'll be divorced if I if I read any more books. So I think it is. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Netflix. Actually, there's a great one. I don't know if you've seen it, James. The Playbook, The Coach's Guide for Life. So they've got... Um, no, uh, you know, oh, some amazing, amazing leaders and coaches from the world of sport. They've got Doc River from basketball and Jill Ellis from ladies football and uh, the famous Jose Mourinho, etc. Oh, et okay. I think there's five of them. And it's called the Playbook. The Playbook. playbook. Yeah, I've not come across it. Um, I tend to. It tends to be very escapist stuff that I watch. On, Likewise, <laughs> on Netflix, so um, you yeah. can either watch the Playbook or you can watch The Floor Is Lava. It's up to you, but they're okay. They're both equally good. <laughs> okay, I'm scribbling these down. When Brian says to me, "He's writing on the television tonight," I'll be pointing it in a certain direction. Yeah. Um, Last but not least, the um, favorite quote, a motto, words that inspire you, uh, words that you hold dear, maybe, Aiden, I think that comes to mind for you. Yeah, there's so many again. I think, funny, back to my late dad, I think the greatest phrase that he used to say that I didn't appreciate at the time, but I really appreciate now, is uh, there are three sides to every story. Oh, and you know, grow up three boys and 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 uh, in the house and all of that. But now I find it very valuable working with teams and leaders, and especially in the OD space. You know, so here's what's really going on. Well, actually, no, I tell you what's really going on, and somewhere in the relationship between those two truths uh, lies the 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 chink of hope that we might come to a solution. I think Uh, you know, there's three sides to every story for me. Is something I always keep, you know top of the mind that really that really resonates as well it, it reminds me of the the buddha piece around the third way but also also when you were speaking earlier you know where you're saying it's it's it's, it's the and it's not either or that yeah. fits with that too when you think about it it's not either or it's the it's the combination or the or the and that goes with it yeah. um that's 
yeah, no, that's 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 sinking in. That's hitting something for me as you say it. Um, wonderful, Aiden. You're you're a gent. Um, I really appreciate your your time and insight today. Um, I'm sure I'm sure listeners tuning in will will get so much from it. I know it's one I'll be listening back to again because yeah. I, was, I was writing furiously, trying to multitask, um, um, and there were certainly many gems of wisdom in there. So thank you. Yeah, huge honor and pleasure, James, just to be invited along to have the chat with you. And congratulations on the podcast. And as you get to your you're you're almost at your century, I think. Almost, you're... almost at the one hundredth well episode, which wow. is which is hard to believe, and it's an interesting one, Aiden, because it's um it's a labour of love, and I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I as much as I am, mm-hmm. and and the the combination of you know as I was gathering my own thoughts and 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 sharing sharing some tips and insights on, on what I call the solo episodes where it's just me, but the, but the, but, but the enjoyment and the learning that I've gotten from, from, from speaking to, to people as well um, is, is terrific. And the feedback I've received on it has been, has been lovely as well. Yeah. So it's, it's one that I, I suppose in the changing environments in, in recent months where maybe I'm not out with groups for full days and, that old business as usual model it's mm. it's given me the time to um uh, to devote to this which is which is something that's giving me satisfaction but i was listening i was out for a walk this morning and i was i was listening to a podcast and um, there was a there was a newer version of that old phrase you know what's it necessity is the mother of invention yeah <laughs> which is you know relevant we can all relate to it at the minute but there was an exaggerated version of it and i was sort of thinking this, this could be true too where desperation desperation is the mother of, ge- of genius so right. it's almost like the worse it is, the more you have to apply yourself to it. But I was laughing, right. laughing, laughing when I was walking along with the dog this morning. I'm sure oh, people God. were looking at me. But anyway, on that note, I'll say I'll say thank you again, Aiden. Um, and um, and hopefully it, it won't be too long before we can meet up in in person and, and continue this this conversation. Excellent. Um, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, James. Stay well and stay safe. Thank you. So my thanks again to Dr. Aidan Harney for being so generous with his time and his insights. And my thanks to you for tuning in this week. As ever, if you've enjoyed this episode, found it helpful, you know, do let me know by posting a comment or even sharing it with a friend or a colleague who you think might find it useful. You can find out more about me, James Sweetman, and my work on my website, jamesweetman.com, where you'll also find a library of blogs and videos and free resources on a range of business and personal development topics. So my thanks again to Aidan, and until next week.